Hello, Internet. Wait, wait, wait. I thought we said we were going to do hi, Internet. Why would I say hi? I always say hello. I know, but this, is the, this isn't the show. This is a commercial for the show. I thought we said we were going to do it different. I always say hello, Rod. I, you, all right, fine. Say whatever way you want to, Chris. It doesn't matter what I say anyway. Hello, Internet. You did. Fine. You got your hello in. And now I'm Rod Morgan. You can listen to us on Balls and Brew, where we'll argue about many things, even more inane than what you just heard us argue about there. I promise. Right here on the Morgan Eno Podcast Network. Come on in, guys. Let's talk about season 42 of Survivor. I'm your host, Rod Morgan, and with me is my co-host in life and my co-host on this podcast, the Mrs. Morganino, Kate Morgan. Kate, hello. Hello. Here, we recap last week's episode of five of Survivor, just ahead of tonight's episode to get you ready to outwit, outplay, and outlast in 15 minutes or less. We're getting ready for episode 10 tonight, but before we get there, the Mrs. Morganino is going to give us the quick and dirty recap of episode nine, Game of Chicken. Okay, so what we have is coming back from the last tribal council on night 16, Romeo comes in ready to burn that place to the ground, right? He received three votes. He's not happy about it. He was already extremely paranoid, and he comes in there hot. But he does manage to play it cool and try to be as collected as he possibly can be. Hi now, on the other hand, comes in their guns ablazing because he received just one vote and is trying to flush out where this vote came from, who did it, who who could possibly vote for him. And he determines it was Romeo. Romeo still denies it. Um, but Romeo in a confessional says, hey, I voted out high because he's crazy and I want everybody to know how crazy he is. And in that regard, Romeo got it right. I'm just going to call let's hold on a second here. I think it's very possible that Romeo was just being a tad bit reactionary, a tad bit bitchy, for lack of a better term here, and he was mad at High for mobilizing against him, and he just voted for him. I'm not so sure Romeo played out all of the steps he laid out for us in the confessional in his mind out before he did it. I tend to agree with you, but when it comes to bitchiness, High was way bitchier when he came back from tribal council and the way that he treated Romeo and everybody else. Like, how could any of you possibly vote for me? And it's like, bro, you're still playing a game. Easy now. And at the immunity challenge, we again are parsed with something that we get quite a bit. When the tribe comes together and we still have double-digit number of people, we tend to have this kind of scenario where the tribe is split into two different groups to play the challenge. And we have the same here. We have an orange tribe and a blue tribe getting together for a balance out in the middle of the ocean. And it was an awful, awful... I I mean, out of all the ocean challenges we've ever seen, I think these might have been the highest waves dealing with our two different teams. Okay, so what we have is we have two teams of five. On the Orange Tribe, we have basically all the dudes. We have Omar, Hi, Roxroy, Romeo, and Mike. And then on the Blue Tribe, we have Jonathan, Lindsay, Drea, Marianne, and Tori. Now, what's different about this challenge from what we've seen in years past is that there will be two winners from both tribes who will be saved from what Jeff says is a two-part tribal council. So the last person standing will also win kebabs for his or her five-person tribe and is then able to see who is voted out of the tribe before the second five-person tribe goes to tribal council. So two tribes, winner from each tribe, the one that has the last person standing has a couple more advantages than the guy who wins for the other tribe. 
and of course, as I mentioned before, we have real high and choppy water, so we got people dropping very quickly. I mean, we have three to four people out within under a minute, and it seems as if even the people who made it all the way to the end, your high and your Jonathan, were only on there for maybe a grand total of five minutes. But ultimately, Jonathan, the challenge beast, wins again. Was there ever a doubt that Jonathan would win a challenge that involves doing something physical, even if it's just balance? So on... The orange team, so again, you have the orange team and the blue team, and on the orange team, all the dudes, Romeo seems to be the easy choice to get out for this tribe. Then Omar starts thinking, you know what? Right now would be a good time to get Roxroy out because he's totally not expecting it. He is then able to get High and Romeo, who are rivals, on his side for this. And Roxroy is thus then blindsided by the vote in the first of the two tribal councils. But I believe it's the second tribal council of the night that is going to end up being the biggest story coming out of this week's Survivor, and that is the blue team, the blue team when they head off. But they talk right after the commercial break that everything should be very easy for them because Tori is going to be the person that seems easy for them to vote out. But Jonathan decides that he wants to try to get a little more advantageous, wants to try to get a little strategic for the first time this year. And he says, why don't we vote off Drea simply in an effort to flush out an individual immunity idol? Jonathan seems to have no more motivation behind this vote other than just that. He has almost everyone on board until they go to tribal council and both Drea and Marianne proclaim that they will play their individual immunity idols. And as a result, Tori does in fact go home. Yeah, so that's really the quick and dirty of it. We'll get into the twists and turns that evolve as the result of that tribal council here. So before we get into that tribal council, we want to say that on day 17, before the immunity challenge even happens, we have Roxroy in the camp suggesting to all of the men that they form an all-male alliance. Jonathan and Mike are on board, but Omar and Hai are both reluctant for different reasons. So you have Omar who says, eh, you know what? I am a weaker male player in this game, and there is no way if I am in an all-male immunity alliance or uh, alliance that I'm going to win individual immunity against people like Jonathan and Mike and Roxroy. It's just not going to happen. So in that regard, he is he is not on board. Then you have High, who says, um, this decision is totally misogynistic and something he doesn't want to be a part of. I have to say, I have to say, listeners, as an outspoken feminist, I do not see this alliance as being misogynistic in any way, shape, or form. I actually see it being quite smart. Um, I, no, in none of those conversations was Roxroy saying these women aren't as good as good as us. They can't do things like we do. They're not contributing. They're not good members of society. They are less than. He wasn't saying that. It could have been a really strategic move to get all of the guys into one alliance. Women tend to do that all the time on Survivor. Yeah, I think it's literally just a situation of, hey, we're all probably a little bit stronger together because sooner or later people are coming for us. So why don't we look out for each other's individual uh, backs here? I think that's really all it was. I don't think it was misogynistic at all. No, no, I agree. So then going into the first tribal council, Roxroy is blindsided. But the true twist in these tribal councils comes when the blue tribe walks in and they all actually see Roxroy on the jurors bench next to Chanel. So seeing two black players on the jury strikes a particularly emotional chord with Drea, 
which causes her to almost immediately say, hey, guys, I'm playing my individual immunity idol tonight. You're going to have to figure out somebody else to vote for. Wow. I'm going to push back just a tad bit. She slow walks it a little bit, right? She walks in. I think we can all read it on her face. I think Jeff Probst reads it on her face. He asks her about it, and she declines for a second to really say what's on her mind. And then she ultimately says exactly what the Mrs. Morganino says right there. I don't like seeing these two over on the bench. I'm going to play my immunity idol because I'm not going home following those two. So Drea's rationale is that she doesn't want to be not voted off that night because of how her tribe mates may feel about voting off a third consecutive black player from the game. So what she does is she essentially takes herself out of the equation while also pointing out the subconscious racial bias among the white players. Marianne then follows suit like Marianne is so prone to do. And we've seen her do it several times where she instead of outwitting and outplaying, it tends to out-explain the person who just did a good job of explaining his or her rationale, and that's what she does. And so what she does is then declare that she, too, will play her individual immunity idol as a black player. I think there's two factors at play here that end up making the bit of contentiousness that we see unfold between Drea and Jonathan that we're about to speak about here. The first is... All of the people behind the vote that is bringing up the emotions within Drea, and these are incredibly true emotions, and it's brave of her to be able to reveal them to all of us on national television, but all of the people that cause those emotions to come up are nowhere near. They can't hear anything Drea's saying. None of the people Drea is talking to had anything to do with Roxroy being voted out, and I just think that that... That is a little bit at play here. And also, Marianne does not have to be as dramatic as she is. And I think that that puts everybody on edge. And so we get a bit of a contentious back and forth between Jonathan and Drea here. So I I wouldn't necessarily call it contentious as I would confusing on Jonathan's part because he says, I don't understand this. You know, it, it feels like, hey, Drea and Marianne, you're accusing us of being racist And I'm not racist, and I'm just trying to flush out the individual immunity idol. But optically, that is how it looks. And that doesn't discount the feeling that Drea and Marianne have from their lived experience as black women. And Jonathan isn't going to totally understand that without some really good conversation about how that plays into his life as a white man. And so they do assure him that they don't feel that way about him, um, but that they're also able to see his implicit bias a little differently than what he does. Um, I've mentioned to Rod off of this, this podcast that I think this sort of discussion was handled really, really well in season 41. Uh, We had some really good conversation about racism and about white privilege that Leanna actually started and that Xander participated in. And and I think that that was a really valuable discourse um, in Survivor. And this wasn't carried out nearly as well. And I have to say that it could have been carried out well better, better, maybe not well, but better if Marianne hadn't been so forceful and in her way of not letting anyone speak during that conversation. She was grandstanding. grandstanding. And if there had been an ally on the tribe like like Xander had been explaining what it is to have white privilege and what it means to be able to acknowledge that and and the fact that he doesn't know what these two women, what their experience is like. 
Yeah, because Lindsay and Tori at this time, I believe, both make the decision to be like, you know what? There's really not much for us to say here, so they don't say too much at all. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, Lindsay, def- Lindsay and Tori both try to play the role of ally. Both of them express their sadness to the other players that this is something they have to go through, and they both make it known that that's something they know nothing about. But it just they don't they don't offer a lot to the conversation. No, they're not being allies. They're just being they're half assing it because they know that one of the two of them is going to go home. And that's exactly what happened. So during this time, during this conversation, we see our first live tribal council, which is something that we talked about in the very last episode. When are we going to see a live tribal council? Well, we saw it here. So with Jonathan, Drea, and Marianne essentially out of the running to be voted off, it comes down to Lindsay and Tori and who's going to be voted off. So Jeff says, hey, you guys don't even need to go vote. We can talk about this all right here, which they do. And then Tori decides, hey, I'm still going to play my shot in the dark. I'm still trying to win this thing. Um, Unfortunately, it reveals that she is not safe and Tori is the one who is sent home. Yeah, and uh, I uh, I always labeled Tori as the villain getting the villain edit, and uh, now the villain goes home. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Tori's villain edit that she was getting will uh, will jump over to somebody else, or if we'll see uh, something completely different. Maybe one of our people will end up becoming the villain by the end of the show. You never know which way the editors are going to twist and turn the knife. But let's check in on a couple of our favorites before we close up shop. Jonathan, I think, had his first misstep of the season so far, right? I think... Not only did things not go well for Jonathan in the ultimate tribal council discussion where he came off a little forceful, a little too not understanding, but he really was being a bit misogynistic and a bit, I'm the big brother who knows better than you girls before they even got to the immunity uh, vote there. So it was a, a bit of a misstep out of Jonathan. So he was a challenge beast once again, but perhaps his social game, there's some cracks developing there. Yeah, it was clear he was not listening to Lindsay's advice prior to that tribal council on the beach when she's like, I know some things that are happening and he was just kind of little ladying her and like, no, I know more than you do when it came to getting Drea out and which wasn't which probably wouldn't have been the smarter vote anyway, which is what he had wanted. So that's interesting. We also have Hi, who I mentioned in the very beginning, very being very vengeful and bitter um, toward his accusations of Romeo voting him off. But I will also say that he proves to be very loyal in this episode when he goes to Mike telling him, hey, I think we're going to go with Roxroy at this tribal council. Mike isn't totally on board with it, but does appreciate his honesty. I like that you point that out as well, because had it not been for that little thing that they threw in for us, I totally would be nominating High right now for the guy to step into the villain role. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We'll see how he goes. You can see his ego sort of ebbing and flowing throughout these episodes and and feeling a little bit bigger than what he might be. So we'll see how that happens. So Omar continues to be everywhere. Everywhere. And he is making big moves. I personally think he is doing it very well and very covertly and very earnestly. We'll see how Omar starts to play out in that. Yeah, I'm, I still tend to think that Omar's probably stretching himself a little too thin. He's going to have a little too many different people he's going to have to tie loose ends up with. But uh, so far, man, anything that goes down on the beach, Omar knows about it, and that's definitely a good place to be. But something else that goes down on the beach quite often <laughs> is rain. And we got to shout out our guy Jeff Probst, yes. right? Because ultimately, he's the Emmy winner. He's the old school. 
He's the guy who's been around every season of Survivor. And during the first tribal council of the uh, Orange Tribe, it is pouring down on these people. And Jeff Probst looks exactly, exactly like Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas in Wall Street. And I just had to point that out. We had a really good laugh about it as we were watching the episode. And I couldn't agree more. We also see during the tribal council, especially the first tribal council, which is Chanel's first, her shooting daggers at these men at the first tribal council and how absolutely angry she is with all of them. Now... When it comes to the second tribal council and we see Drea and Marianne talking a little bit more about their place as black women, we see her perk up a bit and in a very proud display, which I thought was which I thought was much more endearing. And I'm glad for that. And she wasn't just mad that she was the first person voted in the jury. So I found that encouraging. Quick note on Chanel I want to point out here is this is something they don't talk about very often, but as someone who's watched almost every episode of Survivor that is out there, she's an important jury member, right? She's going to be around to see all of the different Mm -hmm. twists and turns that every single one of these people go through, right? She's going to notice it from a different perspective of not being personally involved in it. Like every other member that's going to end up coming to that journey jury, excuse me, they're going to bring their baggage to it. They're going to bring their personal feelings to it. Chanel's a little more removed and becomes almost the closest thing we have to an unbiased jury member being the person that's going to be there for the longest. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. So we'll see where that goes. But on the next episode, we weren't given a lot in the preview, actually very little. Mike seems mad at High for some reason. High seems like he wants to get rid of Jonathan. Omar seems to be pulling strings per usual. So honestly, who knows? Exactly. Who knows? But what I do know for a fact is that we will be back next Wednesday to do our best at wrapping up episode 10 that you're going to watch later tonight ahead of episode 11. So make sure you check us out right here on the Morgan, you know, podcast network. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate Jimmy Jamriska for producing these episodes. And I appreciate you, the Mrs. Morgan, you know, for co-hosting with me. Well, thank you. I appreciate you too. And, uh, bye. Bye.